Welcome to the Queer Arabs Podcast. This is Alia. And Ellie. And we are the Queer Arabs. I'm Saudi American and a lesbian. I'm bi-trans Lebanese and we're recording here in America. Hey Quinn, thanks for being here. Hi. Hello. Thank you for having me. Of course, it's so good to see you after Yalapunk. We met Quinn at Yalapunk. Yeah, definitely. Especially since we're so close. I don't know why we don't hang out more. Yeah, that's true. We're in neighboring states. Yeah, it's only a 12-hour drive. Or just a cool, casual 12 hours, you know? (laughs) There's also this thing called a plane. An auto... Sorry, an aerogyro, you say? (laughs) Yes. What's your background, Swana-wise? Swana-wise, I'm a uh, Persian, Norwegian, American, bisexual, transgender, man, woman, individual person. (laughs) (laughs) High five for being bi-trans. Yeah, bi-trans is like my favorite way to be. (laughs) Yes. Speaking of Yellow Punk, what stood out to you and like what what are you looking forward to at next Yellow Punk? Yeah, I think that like one of the things that I mean one of the things that really stood out to me at Yellow Punk is that like I don't think I've ever like in my life ever been in a room with like so many queer Arabs or like queer like Middle Eastern people or North African people like just so many like Swana folk in like yeah. one room like that was wild. It was. It was. It, it's like finally a room where I don't stick out. Right. Literally yeah. a room where I'm not like chilling, like taking off somebody's boxes. Like we're all just like here supporting each other. And that was so sick. Yeah. It's yeah. like, um, hey, for once, I don't check off the most boxes in this room. Right. Like I'm literally not the only like trans Southwest Asian person in the entire room. Like that was sick. At the same time, it's not just like hanging out with queer Swana folks. It's also hanging out with like queer creative as uh, Swana folks. I know. (laughs) So inspiring. Literally, like literally everything everyone was doing, I was just like, I'm so here for it. All the poetry, um, all the panels were incredible. I especially like what I'm really remembering is is Mirza and Layla's panel on queer Arabness and music. Oh my god, just utterly decadent. Like, Yalapunk spoiled the hell out of me. I came back to Albuquerque and I was just like, what am I doing here? Like, this is- <laughs> That was the feeling we had. We were like, what the fuck? Why did we why willingly are- extract ourselves from that? Why are we in Texas again? It's like, why did I ever leave Philadelphia? What am I doing in Albuquerque? Like- <laughs> <laughs> I know, it was this, it was a really weird space to be in for a while when we got back. I just felt like mm-hmm. so not here same yeah super like distant super like not present but like yeah. i mean I've, I've reconnected in my own ways but like yeah yellow punk was like yeah. nourishing in this way that i didn't know i really needed like i remember rana we designated rana to be our daddy at yellow punk do you remember that <laughs> so i miss our our family and our dad i, I miss know. all of God, it i love dad i love dad so much dad is amazing that has ever come out of my mouth <laughs> Yeah, same. I've never once said that. We love you, Daddy. Yes. (laughs) So for people listening, Rana Rana was the one who started Yalapunk. At Yalapunk, we designated her our dad. Well, she designated herself that too. So we love our dad and can't wait to see Rana again. Yeah, seriously, Rana's incredible. I don't know. It feels, it's a really nice, nourishing home that she's providing for us us children yeah, literally. <laughs> we can always come home to daddy 
That sounds really weird. Come oh home God. to daddy at any time. Saying, I'm gonna need you to stop with the daddy. <laughs> I know. I think it's getting into weird territory. So, all right, daddy is anyway. officially played out. Yeah. <laughs> Speaking of creative stuff, tell us about your art. Let's talk about um, it. Oh, I like. So I consider myself a like queer narrative artist, and I mostly I just make art about my feelings. And I guess that kind of resonates with people. And yeah, I just, um, a lot of my artistic practice is like usages of like repetition and texture in a way that like makes me feel very like present and involved in what I'm doing. And also like visually, it kind of draws in the viewer because I kind of use these like mediums and methods that I don't know, I guess like a lot of people just don't use. I take canvas and I like, I take canvas and I'll staple like these like really weird things that I literally just find at like the dumper that people like donate to me like I really don't actively go out to buy stuff unless I need like I don't know paint or like uh, hardware tools or like whatever I don't know one of my most recent pieces that I showed was like something I made mostly out of like paint markers and medical bandages oh cool yeah and so like I basically like constructed like these like structures that I just proceeded to wrap like medical bandages around and around so it yeah. like really like jut out at you but like on this like medium that's usually used for like 2D formatting. Oh cool. I saw that piece that you posted. It was um a set of eyes with the Yeah. Yeah, with newspaper. Was it newspaper for the eyelashes? Yeah, I um so it's actually not eyelashes. I don't know oh, if like okay. other folks do this, but like I grow a lot of hair like underneath my eyes like right underneath my eyes okay okay yeah yeah and so it was like it was like one of those things that like i mean not to not to target a demographic but like all my white friends would like really make fun of me for it because i would grow like weird hair in weird places and they were like what's that about that that piece and the other pieces that are followed with it um are really about i don't know like dysphoria that you feel and just like making like this graphic spectacle of this thing that you're trying to conceal that's like so arbitrary like so fucking arbitrary like who cares about body hair apparently everyone does Everyone fucking cares. I know. <laughs> yeah. It's so weird because everyone cares about their own body hair, but, well, you know, aside from assholes. But as soon as, like, I walk around with, like, a forest of a leg, like, no one seems to give a fuck. Yeah. Like, yeah. like, yeah. I am, like I'm totally rocking a dress, you know, really cute sandals and basically winter legs and no one cares. Because yeah, I know, exactly. Because apparently I run with the right crowd. I guess yeah. the people you hang out with and stuff yeah definitely and i mean now that i've gotten like older and wiser and like now that i understand a lot more of who really does have my bed in like hey sorry the connection cut out for a little bit it happens sometimes so they were saying that they have had intimate partners in the past who have done things like pull out what they consider to be stray body hairs as if having body hair is a bad thing. And getting older, Quinn is realizing, just why? Why does it matter? And a person should be able to do that to their own body if they want, not others. And you're like, did I ask you to do that? No, exactly. And so like on top of being trans, where you already have a really weird relationship with your body, I was just like, why does my body like do all this bullshit that I don't need? Yeah. But like, like so arbitrary. Like, I mean, like, weird. like look at the, like you can't see it on the camera and you guys obviously can't see it on the podcast. Like, like look at all this arm hair. What do I need this arm hair for? Yeah. What is all this for? Because <laughs> we're fucking primates, all of us. Look at all this hair. That's a really cool piece. Like, it's good to know. I don't know. It's nice to hear more about, like, what it means and I, makes total sense. 
I'm actually just always happy to hear like like pretty much every other trans person I run into, like no one talks about the dysmorphia stuff, especially like body hair, but it's always good to hear it from somebody who's been close, somebody who gets the experience. Yeah, no, totally. Yeah, I mean, oof, I can talk for uh, a very long time about my own dysmorphia. I feel like really just being of a Swana background, especially like, I mean, I don't know about y'all, but my family kind of ran like a little like right of center when it came to like home life. So like a little, little conservative, but like not too much. Yeah. And, like, that's this whole added element as well to, like, you know, coming out and doing that. I don't know. Your sense of community also just gets really warped at times and that's kind of intense. I often felt like I had a really difficult time connecting to other people because with my family, it was, of course, family. We, You've had family expectations, family connections. Everyone is introduced to everyone. And, you know, you only had to apply, like, a family-level filter. And everyone just kind of opened up immediately to everyone because family, 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 family. Um, right. <laughs> when I started to have to socialize more with non-family people in the greater white world, that was, you know, public school, you know, I had to learn how to really filter myself down and that was kind of disconcerting to me at times because i was like oh i i can't like these people don't get my life experience they don't know how this shit goes down it's like i have to explain hummus to these people oh god (laughs) it's like why am i explaining hummus to this person who just is looking at me like and they're like so it's like peanut butter i'm like no That's why Yellow Punk was so awesome. We didn't have to explain queer shit or all that shit. Oh like, my god, absolutely. Yes. That's exactly it. Yeah. I didn't have to, like, yeah, I didn't feel the need to, like, justify myself to, like, somebody who I probably would never meet again for the rest of my life. Yeah, I mean, that was the thing about Yellow Punk that was just so, like, I don't know, emotionally and just, like, almost, like, psychologically just liberating is that, like, yeah, I didn't have to, like, justify myself. I didn't have to explain myself. Like, literally, the moment that I showed up and the moment that I left, like, that entire three days, it was just people who were just like, yeah, I get it. I see you. Like, you don't have to, like... They didn't even have to say they got it. There was never that questioning look in their eyes at any given point. Yes. That's that's how, like, how crazy it was. Yeah. Yeah, it was insane it was just so good yeah we all connected <laughs> we had right a, away we had a real community yeah, yeah. i think for most of us it was like the first experience where we had that community where we felt like okay this is what people talk about when they say oh this is what community feels like it was like wait mm-hmm. this is why people rave about this whole concept of a community exactly I can't remember which episode it was, but you guys did an episode with somebody who was talking about how they would, like, obsessively Google search queer arrows, like the phrase queer arrows. Nadia did that, yeah. Oh my god. I was just like, wow, I've never resonated with anything so hard in my life. It's just like maybe like two or three times a year, I would just like check back in with Google and see if anybody else was doing anything. Oh my God. I know. It's so weird because like I can like, because a lot of the communities I do hang out with regularly, it's like I have tolerance or acceptance, but not an embrace that I got sort of like at Yellow Punk. They're like, Mm -hmm. because like, okay, so my communities are activists who are like, most of them are gay rights activists and there's a few like 
here and there that do other things, but none of them touch on Middle Eastern issues. Some of them are kind of weird with me being trans. Some of them are really weird with me not like being, I guess, more stereotypically feminine at times. But they all love me and they accept me. And then there's like the gamer communities I hang out with. I'm non-white, non-cis male. So immediately I stand out, but they tolerate me because I'm a gamer too. Right. But the embrace isn't there. I don't like, I don't, if I walk up to a group of guys at certain conventions, like the the jokes will get a lot quieter or stop immediately while they assess what kind of person I am. So, oh yeah, yeah, and part of that is just you know shitty gamer culture. But right, God, that's very real. <laughs> Quinn, are you much of a gamer at all? Um, no. Yeah, I'm. I'm I not. Really... Not really. I'm not really. But well, I, I get glimpses into the culture through Ellie, the gamer culture. <laughs> what are you talking about? I'm totally not a gamer. Oh. I'm just gonna you just <laughs> you just said you were <laughs> said I hang out with them. Oh, uh, but you don't self-identify as a gamer. Uh, it just ex- just go for it. Uh, <laughs> Maybe oh, I, God, I don't no, know. your identity, Ellie. Yeah. I'm too, <laughs> I'm, I'm too brown and gay for them. Uh, <laughs> yeah, but like it's important though. Like there's some like sad little like. A young child who's also brown and also gay who like feels like they also don't have a place like absolutely assert the hell out of that identity fine <laughs> <laughs> i mean don't let me twist your arm but i'm just saying right <laughs> and okay fine i'll call myself a gamer too because i play some games thank you thank you're you you're welcome i'm not alone <laughs> I guess I don't know how much I don't know how hardcore a person has to be to call themselves a gamer. You, you one hundred percent beat Yoshi's Woolly World, and you're working on Donkey Kong Country at a hundred percent. Not just beating the game, folks. Collecting everything. Okay, I guess that's gaming. So, Quinn, uh, how long have you been creating art, and like, and what mediums have you explored? I feel like I've always been creating art, whether I know it or not. Whether or not it's like it was a conscious behavior or not. When I was really, when I was really like young, um, I didn't really have access to like paints or like markers or anything like that. So what I would do is I would get into my mom's spice cabinet and I would grab like I would grab I would basically make this like mixture of like honey and water so that it had enough like adhesive quality oh, to it. Oh, cool! And then I would like mix in like other spices to like create colors. Oh, that's and, really like, resourceful. Yeah, and like I, I feel like <laughs> I feel like my artistic practice has just been an evolution of just doing that. Really, I've worked in so many mediums. Starting this new project where I have to do woodworking, which Ooh. I've never done, so that's really really fun and exciting. I don't know, I've got some like basic construction knowledge. Um, I do a lot of sculptures with plaster. Um, I've never used any like hard rocks or anything like that. I'm very much like about building a frame and then like molding around it. I do a lot of painting. Um, I do a lot of like soft sculpture with like paper and fabric. Oh, I want to try and like get into music this year and like music production. Ooh. I don't know if I have time, but I really want to do it. Do you play anything or sing? I, um, I played the piano for like on and off for like, I think about like 12 years. 
Oh, as nice. a kid, and um, I sing in my car, and I think I have like a decent voice, but I don't know yet. Hell yeah! Yeah, and I don't know. I've always been surrounded with music people, like almost all my life, and so it just kind of feels like a natural pro- progression for me. Yeah. And yeah, I don't know. I mean, like we're literally on this earth for like a finite amount of time, and like I don't know why people wouldn't want to like just get into like a whole bunch of different I don't know outlets instead of just focusing on one. You know. Yeah, yeah. I I hear that. Yeah. So, um, which artists are would you consider your inspirations at this point? As somebody who like does a lot of abstract forms, I like a lot of like portrait painters. Off the top of my head, as I'm thinking about it, I really, really like. Let's see, I really, really like Salman Tour. Um, he he draws. He 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 paints people in these like really abstract ways, but like texturally, his paintings are really interesting. Because that's kind of how he like differentiates bodies as individuals, um, and then they all just kind of like cohesively work together in like this piece. And like the way that he uses texture as like a form of a balancing act is like really really interesting to me. And I really really like Eva Hess. Um, she was a process artist back in. Oh, I'm so bad with dates. I want to say the 70s. She was okay. a process artist, um, and so she. She, she has these like really really massive like metallic sculptures or like fabric sculptures that she like made by like tearing things apart and putting them back together she has like a series about um boxes and like bottling up emotions that i think is really really fascinating um oh, yeah. but like we but, tend like, to do that sculpt- yeah no exactly and i'm really i'm really just interested in like the pursuit of like how we process emotions but let's see, I like Eva House, I like Salmon Tour. Nadia Lee Cohen is this, uh, she's this British photographer. She takes these like portrait photographs that are just, they just live in the uncanny valley. Like they're just so unsettling and just weird. And they're like almost like gross. Ooh. Actually, no, they are gross. They're like really gross. <laughs> I need to so check, okay, I'm intrigued. Yeah, I'm no, she like, out. so she like juxtaposes like these like really like, just like really like Eurocentric bodies, like, you know, just tall skinny white folks yeah um in these like beautiful like fashion brands but she gives them like these attributes that are just so grotesque and like uncomfortable i just love it oh whoa yeah in a similar vein of nadia lee cohen i also really really like cindy sherman she's kind of she kind of does what nadia lee cohen does now but she was doing it back in like oh god my art history professor would be so mad at me <laughs> like the 60s and 70s i really really want to say but like she still okay. makes art now today but like um what she used to do is she would use she would use like old film cameras and take bills of herself she would like create these elaborate costumes and like do all this like elaborate makeup completely warp her own features she does this really cool photo series about like really famous paintings um where she just like paints herself as these paintings and this is like back in the 60s you know so there's like no youtube like no like anything like this is all like just her doing it from like a photo like a piece of paper oh wow yeah, and now today on her Instagram, she just uses like photo booth and photo editing software to make her like her own like selfies, just like these warped, terrifying, grotesque, Whoa. like abstract things. I like yeah. how fucked up this sounds in a good way. Yeah, this yeah, is definitely yeah. right up your uh, alley, darling. It is. It totally <laughs> sounds like it. Yeah, it's all very fucked up in a good way. I love it. I love that kind of shit. So. Back to the whole trans thing. Yes. I know being trans like sets us apart from the trans community in a very weird way, like 
but how's it been for you? Like oh, being Swana, being Swana, like and like being Swana and being trans. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Summarize this in like five seconds. Summarize a thousand <laughs> thousand years of oppression and weird attitudes. Yeah, you know. seriously, it's just like like a solid like eighteen years of repression and then like just all of it exploding out of my body and then like so like when I was growing up, I knew in my heart and I had the language to confirm to myself that I was bisexual and trans from like the age of thirteen, right? And so like literally from like from the moment that I've arrived on this earth. To where I'm at right now, I have always inherently known in my own core of my being that I am like trans and like sexuality, like who knows, who cares? It might change next week, who knows? But like I've known always in my like heart of hearts that like my assigned gender at birth was not, didn't correlate to how I am. And so that kind of, that kind of always made me feel like I was an outsider even like in my own family and like in my own familial community and so that's always been like a really disparate thing and yeah and like as I got older like dealing with that and dealing with you know very real signs of mental illness that started manifesting when I was young you know just dealing with a bunch of stuff like really caused me to like really really just bottle like everything up and, and just I don't know pursue avenues of being where or well, pursue avenues of coping with not being able to ever really fully come out. I don't think I really ever like felt seen until I was in college. Like felt really and truly seen. Yeah, I know. And then, I definitely know that feeling. I mm-hmm. basically didn't get treatment for both my trans and mental health issues until basically 23 24 and even then i was still juggling around with medications till like my 30s yeah and i mean i've been on i've been on antidepressants anti-anxiety medications since i was about like 13 years old and like it wasn't until i was like about 23 that like i finally found a medication that worked like and that's solely like on the mental health like perspective and then yeah i started i started taking hormones when i was 16 and I am now immediately jealous. <laughs> no, I know. I was I was very, very blessed in that regard. But yeah, and then I started doing that and then um I started noticing that like the way that like my features started leaning and the way that I started getting coded coded in public on like the other end of the spectrum. Because when I start when I came out as trans I was just I'm a man and like I mean like you look at me now and you're just like, Oh, okay. But like, um, like at that time, like the only like I didn't have any like language or knowledge of like gender existing outside of, you know, male and female. So naturally, I was just like, oh, so like, I don't feel like a woman. So I must a guy. And so it was just like me thinking that I was like affirming my own gender when I was just really like pushing myself further and further down this like rabbit hole of like uncomfortability. So that was really bizarre. Like, I don't really think I've like felt seen or heard until I was like in college and I had a community of like like-minded folk who really knew every aspect of where I was coming from. And like, not necessarily just like being specifically Swana and queer, but you know, being capital O other and queer was like enough for me to really just feel like I was really amongst my own. Finding that comfortable other community is awesome. Oh my God, it's so dope. Yeah. For me, it was uh, my comfortable other community was this really cool 
uh, group of women who hung out at the women's center on campus and we'd basically do nothing but like bullshit and talk like women's issues, feminism, queer issues, protest on campus. And it was just awesome. Oh, that sounds really cathartic. Uh, so good. And shout outs to April if you're listening. You know who you are. Hi, April. Well, um, God bless April. Yes. <laughs> Thank you, April. <laughs> I don't know. I guess as a fellow Southern state dweller. Oh, God. <laughs> how are things in your area um, regarding like trans issues, trans rights, stuff like that? If shit gets bad in Texas, can we flee to New Mexico? <laughs> oh, my God. Okay, so here's the thing, though. Like, uh, there, there are elements, right? Don't get me wrong. There are elements here that are just like any other state that make me nervous and, like, you know, are just weird. But, um, I mean, I really think the beautiful thing about Albuquerque is that it's so, like, or at least in the circles that I run in and, like, for the most part that I ran in, like, growing up, for lack of a better term, WAF are really just like not a present thing or just like overt racism or like i mean it's it's there but like not in this like overt like very tangible way that like most of the the american south is oh that's Um, refreshing yeah seriously it's uh fucking dope (laughs) oh that's awesome yeah houston is kind of like that houston is like that but it's a bubble for sure in texas yeah yeah because this is like a hugely multicultural city and when you get outside of houston it starts to self-segregate a bit to a lot mm. oh yeah definitely yeah. is it kind of like that for new mexico and like albuquerque um i mean for albuquerque kind of like i can i could absolutely like pull up a map and like draw certain circles where like areas are like particularly segregated okay, and, like, and i could yeah and i mean like i could talk about that forever about like gentrification and like socioeconomic yeah. segregation and like all that architectural planning and like so on and so forth but like once you get out into like rural new mexico it's all just like old new mexican families who have literally lived on that land for like as long as that land has been there oh wow and then like we have like a crazy high vietnamese population because a lot of American expats who like went and fought in Vietnam who were like predominantly, I believe, Navajo Nation or just like Latinx or like whatever, um, it would just like talk about New Mexico. And so like when like Vietnamese people were like flee, like in refuge out of Vietnam, they would just come to Albuquerque. So like we have this like crazy high Vietnamese population. There are a bunch of like old wealthy um, black families that kind of like are spotted around here as well. And that's because um, after the abolishment of slavery, I believe a lot of the land that was being offered in what is now New Mexico um, was just going at like dirt cheap rates. Quite a few like black families trying to like pave their way just bought up land here and yeah. now they're like some of like the wealthiest families out here like it's just it's a really interesting state like new mexico is so fascinating <laughs> i love it it's i mean I, did, I love what i've seen of it you know yeah, and i did not know that about new, new mexico so yeah we have we have the dopest uh like this side of the Ooh. <laughs> oh shit i haven't had pho in new mexico that's a new goal oh my god uh, yeah, I remember the block. Hang out with That's me, come get some fun. <laughs> Fuck yes. Yeah, what I remember from Albuquerque was this the outstanding guacamole. That's the food that sticks out in my head. But you're also a huge fucking guac addict. I know. Like, seriously, it, she shouldn't be having this much guac. 
Yeah, I shouldn't because I'm allergic to avocados, but that's maybe well, why I like it. <laughs> maybe that's it's one. the forbidden fruit. It's the literally the forbidden fruit. I mean, that's the thing about food allergies. They're not real. You just got to power through it. Yeah, just deal with the, the, swelling, the aftermath. The swelling, the scratching, <laughs> the, you know, vomiting occasionally. No, no I never wanting to die for like four hours. Like it's fine. Right, it's so I've never it. vomited. So good. Avocados. <laughs> Not you'll admit. No, I never have. It's always like a feeling in the throat, but I don't want to. Enough on this topic. I don't want to <laughs> bash avocados too much because I I love them so much. We're sorry, avocados. <laughs> And then, did you grow up with a lot of the Persian side of the family? No, not at all. Okay, same um, with me, with the Saudi side. It was, like, really yeah, absent. Actually, most of my family were pretty spread out throughout, like, the American South and, like, the Midwest. Yeah, like, for the most part, it was literally just, like, me, my mom, my dad, and my brother. All of our family vacations were us, like, going to visit family. But, like, yeah, for the most part, we just, we're just here doing our thing. I relate to that exactly. I mean, our family's really spread out around the same regions you just mentioned, Midwest and Southern states. Um, Ellie and I had very different experiences family-wise because Ellie was, like, constantly surrounded by family. Arabs, 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 Arabs. Kind Arabs. of to the extreme. And we're at the, I guess, Quinn and I are at the other side of that, or the other end of that spectrum. I won't fault y'all for it. Thanks. Thanks. <laughs> I appreciate you not blaming us for what we were born into. It's not your fault. Aw, thanks, Ellie, for that ridiculously unsolicited comforting <laughs> word. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, oh, and yeah, for Yellow Punk, do you think you're going to exhibit anything at some point or... Do you have any plans for that? I do, actually. Um, <gasps> you do? I do. Yeah. Okay. Um, really well, sad. I've yeah, I've already I've already submitted my art to the powers that be. I'm gonna try. I'm gonna like try and not half-ass it this year because like last time it was like so last minute, and I just like I was just like okay, so all I have to do is like show up and like maybe like and just like be present, like sick. Um, hey, but, hey you know, sometimes showing up is like the majority of it. Yeah, I don't know. I was I didn't know I was going until like a month beforehand. And then like, I was just like, oh my God, I have to get so many things done. And I got like none of them done. And so I was just like, I'm here. But yeah, yeah I'm going to try. I'm going to shoot for getting a vendor's license this year. I also want to try and get into uh, making clothes this year. So I think Ooh. that's what I'm going to do. What direction are we going with this? Are we going with really cool badass outfits or are we going with like really cool printed shirts? I need details. I'm going the really, really gay route where I just hand paint denim jackets. Oh, fuck (laughs) yeah. That's beautifully gay. Okay, so my size is an XL. Throwing that out there. (laughs) Oh, yeah, no. I'm like, the smallest size I'm making is like a large. Like, I'm making clothes for sick bitches. (laughs) Bless you. Ellie's boobs will thank you. That's what I like to hear. <laughs> like, seriously, I could get away with wearing a large if it wasn't for them. See, that's funny. I've just got, like, really, really broad shoulders, but, like, my chest is, like, a washboard. Which is also awesome. <laughs> yeah, no, I love it. No. I never have to wear a bra. It's so lit. Oh, my God. That sounds <laughs> Like, you, y'all heavenly. can't fear this feel this but alia's jet like jealous aura is <laughs> oh, radiating yeah, i can, like, feel I, it coming I can... through the phone <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> I had a dream as a child or as a teenager that I was at a swimming pool and there were lockers. You took them off and you put your boobs in the locker. And I remember in the dream, it just, it felt wonderful not to have them. So yeah. I'm just, my mind is flashing back to that feeling of not having that burden on my chest and shoulders, literally. Yeah. Um, actually. And you're back. And you're back. Can't so. join you on that one. I know you don't relate to that, but I'm just explaining my reaction. So um, if people want to connect with you, follow you, etc., is Instagram the best way or any other way? Yeah, Instagram's the only thing that I have. Okay. I'm saving Twitter for like when I get really famous and I'm just like a complete fucking monster <laughs> um, yes <laughs> join me on twitter where we yell at donald trump and his followers for days uh, i've already got like too much of an addictive personality i don't think twitter's gonna help me with that <laughs> <laughs> i get that yeah twitter's but, a monster don't go there <laughs> yeah i just like god until like i can completely go off fucking rails i think i'm just gonna hold off on twitter i hear that but yeah i'm only on instagram only at uh salman rushdie official <laughs> I love that you got that. <laughs> that you got that handle. I was so glad. I was like, I was kind of confused. I was just like, wait, like nobody else has taken this. This is so funny. <laughs> yeah, it was like it was a harsh standoff between Salman Rushdie official and Edward Said four twenty. The correct choice was made. Yeah, I think so. I'm pretty sure. <laughs> One of our past guests has Borders Bookstore on Instagram, and she she was like, "I'm just gonna grab this since it's available." Because <laughs> she's oh my god, yeah, because she's a writer and into books and stuff. So she was like, "Just out of oh, curiosity, funny. is Borders Bookstore available?" Yeah, it is, which was surprising. Oh my god, yeah, yeah. I hope she gets like, I hope she gets like Instagram verified. That would be great. That's a good way to do it. Thank you so much for being here. I. I'm really excited to see you at Yalapunk, if not before, because we live, we really don't live that far. Yeah, it's only 12 hours. Yeah, just like cool casual product. How far away are you guys from Austin? From Austin? Only like three hours. Do you ever go oh, to Austin? Sick. I don't usually, but I am going to be there in March for South By. What do, what weekend is that again? Do you remember? I'm going to, I don't know what weekend it is, but I'm going to be there, what, the like, 14th through the 18th. So we're all going to go to South by Southwest, apparently, and... Yeah, we could totally drive in for, like, a day. Yes, and Easily. we won't... And we'll be, like, the only people not in town for it. Yes! Okay, I love that. Hell no, yeah! No, that'd be great, because um, be so Ahmad's going to be there, too. Okay. Yeah, yeah, that, I mean, that's why I'm going, because I love that big fucking homosexual. Okay, I'm so yeah. excited. Okay. Oh my god, please come through. Please come through. That's an easy... That's a fucking easy day trip. Let's do it, Ellie. So Yeah, no, definitely. Ah, okay. Yay. I'm so excited. Yeah, we will. We'll totally do it. Oh. Totally do it. And um, anyone wanting to reach us, we're at The Queer Arabs at Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. And you can email us at thequeerarabs at gmail.com. The Arabic side of the podcast, which Ahmed runs, um, is at thequeerarabsinarabic at gmail.com. And as always, thank you all for listening. And Quinn, thank you so much. You're amazing. I'm excited to see you soon. Oh, my God. I'm excited to see both of you. It's so sick. I know. Three weeks away or something. Yeah, I'll see y'all in a month. Till then. Or, or whatever or whatever from whatever date this airs. By the time this publishes, it'll be the weekend we're with Quinn, I think. So see you this weekend. <laughs>
Oh my god. Okay. Oh, that's so that's cool. So this publishes it like that weekend. All right, perfect. Bye. <laughs> Bye, y'all. Thank you.